0: Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible. Make a playlist and try not to get distracted by World Cup matches. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's
1: Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California, and I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. And that job, Matt, one of the things I do professionally, you could say, is I, uh, I bake bread for students. We had it's been cold here, Matt. We got two to five inches of snow yesterday. This morning, I woke up; it was four degrees outside. That's one two three cuatro, uh, as uh, Bana would say, uno dos tres uh, catorce degrees, I guess is what Bana would say. Uh, it was right. very cold, so we had soup. We had good soup. We had some excellent, a creamy split pea with bacon. It was very good. And you know what goes great with soup, Matt? Hmm. Uh, some sourdough bread. I hadn't baked in a while. So I did it. I baked some bread. They were beautiful. And do you know what I used, what implement I used that I got for Christmas last year that I used to bake the bread, Matt? What'd you use? I used a little thing I call a freedom oven. Uh, Some people call them Dutch ovens. But we've got a date on Saturday morning with the Netherlands in the round of 16. The U.S. of A does. Uh, As long as Christian Pulisic can, can recover from what U.S. soccer is calling a pelvic contusion, uh, I think it's the part of his abdomen, the, the lowest part of the, the abdomen that you can have, the super lower abdomen has been contused uh, down near the pelvic area. As long as he's ready to go, we're going to fire up the freedom oven and bake up a victory come Saturday morning in the round of 16.
0: That was the wildest transition. I I had no idea where you were going with that. And then you go with Dutch oven. (laughs) Which y'all can tell just how much Zach's mind is on this, that he was was baking bread in his Dutch oven. He was like, yep, this is a Netherlands connection right here.
1: Shout out to (laughs) a friend of the pod, regular listener alumni of uh, Bread and Belonging in the University of Colorado, soon to be coached by Coach Prime. Kevin Crowley sent that to me uh, earlier this week. So I've stolen and I'm giving attribution. (laughs) so are you gonna uh, use I, any like hollandaise sauce or uh oh, oh no hollandaise sauce <laughs> i did uh i woke up on saturday morning very anxious when the u.s was playing england and i uh had a breakfast of freedom freedom uh muffins i had some freedom muffins so very good. good 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 good
0: yeah i understand the game is at 7 a.m on saturday pacific time
1: thankfully early. i'm on mountain time so 8 a.m for me which Still, I do kind of like nine o'clock. I think is the perfect time as West Coast sports watchers here. Nine o'clock is the perfect time to watch a sporting event because you don't have to wake up early, but you don't have to live with the anxiety all day either. Like it's over. (laughs) Right. So come 10 o'clock, 1030, probably, hopefully. I don't know. I feel good. Like we're going to take our shots against the Netherlands, whom I've seen us play and beat before in person, Matt. I'll get to that story in a minute. Uh, We're going to take our shot and. who knows what will happen?
0: Yeah, I told Chris they were playing the Netherlands on Saturday. She was like, oh, so they're going to lose. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Like, I don't think it's a given. I feel like it's a, it's a legit, like, it's a legit match right there. And really any of these, like, as we've seen, anybody on mm-hmm. their best day.
1: Yeah, I, I think this World Cup has been a resounding success for the U.S. national team. It's everything that I hoped that it could be. Uh, the results could have been better for sure, right? Like we went into the last game needing to win, having to win, which is not necessarily what you want. Uh, But at the end of the group stage, looking back, you know, we got through, which is all that really matters. But also then to look at the, we've not given up a single goal in the run of play, right? Gareth Bale from Wales did score against us, but that was a PK. Uh, And we've just played really well which is wild. And, it, and and the thing as a U.S. soccer fan, and especially as a longtime U.S. soccer fan, the thing that always bothers you, the thing that bothers that eats at us the most is the lack of respect that, that soccer gets, right? Because we get it abroad for sure, right? Like, oh, we're playing the USA. In 2010, when we were drawn into the group with England, the front page of The Sun or whatever it was, the newspaper said, uh, easy for the group because it said England, Algeria, Slovakia, Yanks, right? Like, And we heard the English hubris, right? And that's, we can only hear it from them because they speak English. Everybody else is saying the same things where they don't take it seriously (laughs) and don't respect this. Right. But it's the double-edged sword. of then you come home and you listen to Jim Rome on the sports radio, or I was, I was at the mechanics this morning and they had on talk radio. And the guy was like, soccer's so boring. And you're like, I'm trying to fight with respect abroad and at home. This is a two front war that we're never going to win. And uh, you know, domestically it's been coming around, but to hear Uh, I listen to a lot of, you know, the BBC stuff, like real respect for the way that we played uh, is all you want from this really young group. Uh, And, you know, like I think we've we've graduated to a tier two international side in one World Cup, which is all which is great. Right. Like that's maybe not what everybody wants to hear. Maybe people want to win the World Cup. I mean, I want to, but it's not a realistic goal for this group Uh, uh, because it's really hard to win World Cups. First of all, ask England about that. Uh, but having people say, gosh, they played well. Right. And so you, you go into the Netherlands when we, when we, you could reasonably say we outplayed England, England's better than the Netherlands there. I mean, the Netherlands certainly aren't better than, than England. Uh, you know, not to say we're favorites or we'll win, but stick our shot. See what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't understand. I think there are plenty of sports that are much more boring than this. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> particularly particularly when, speaking of anxiety, uh, the last about
1: 20 minutes of that <laughs> right? yesterday was intense. <laughs> I was like, wow. That is my hot oh. take for U.S. sports. I think that's what they can learn. I mean, that's the thing that soccer does so well, that NHL playoff hockey gets into, is the tension and the stakes that are going on, right? Like, yeah the, if you don't, if you're not invested in it, right. Like uh, it's boring and doesn't matter. Right. But when you're heavily invested in it, right. Like you can't look away because at any second, something you could be ruined, you know, like those last 20 minutes, 15, 20, 25 minutes of, especially that nine minutes and 57 seconds of extra time, uh, against Iran, like you're just racked with it. And so, right. Like my word to to the sports czar <laughs> that president Obama never, never appointed. What is, uh, let's find ways to increase the stakes of more games, right? That's why baseball is boring Mm. is that it doesn't, Mm. no game really matters until the playoffs because they all count equally or whatever. Right. And that means nothing. Uh, and that's why people like the playoffs because it has stakes and you don't, you can create stakes, not just through playoffs. There's other ways to have games matter. Right. As you look at college football rivalry week, right. Where you have like seven and four teams playing each other, uh where it matters like the world is on the line even though there aren't like playoff stakes create meaning which is which is what we try to do as preachers matt see brought it around
0: that's
1: right that's right that's right
0: hey, amen we'll yes. wait to uh we to cover the world cup is there anything else we have to cover about this i do uh, how do, do you it. feel as
1: mexican fan <laughs> yeah gotta... i listened to a,
0: <laughs> i listened to a podcast about uh from the LA times the other time says um oh god what's it called I don't know what Gustavo Ariano puts it up um I want to say twice a week and uh they had a feature on the on the Mexico team and their binational fan base uh and how Mexico is always like respectable but never quite there maybe it's that tier mm-hmm. two that you were talking about where it's like yep. yeah they're, like they're, they're in the top 20 too. and they usually yeah. like you know okay. but, but <laughs> they're never quite never quite have that killer instinct and they're like yeah, and that's like a metaphor for Mexico's place in the world stage. You, you just get into all these like ridiculous um, geopolitical stuff, which also, you know, yesterday the US played Iran, like it's Oh my gosh. It's all it's all it's all tied up together. Um, so yeah, how do I feel? Well, as you said, uh, this may not be their best their best side, so if there's a year they're not getting out of uh, this this opening uh, group stage, this would probably the year. But, you know, Memo had some great saves. If you're gonna lose, lose to Argentina. Uh, I hope they win today.
1: I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, and Mexico's been, they have a really clear identity <laughs> and they yeah. play really good defense and, oh gosh, it's really hard for them to score goals, um, <laughs> which is still wild. The Chucky Lozano is, is fantastic. Chucky Lozano. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. going into match day, the third group game right now, as we, as we, we talk there in the 15th, 16th minute, um, they got a shot and it's a totally reasonable one, you know, beat Saudi Arabia and make up a four goal difference on Poland, losing to Argentina. Uh, Poland's likely, you know, gambling favorite to lose to, to Argentina as Mexico would be the favorite to beat Saudi Arabia who has nothing to play for. So, you know, even if it doesn't work out, yeah. you put yourself in a good position. Yeah. You didn't get eliminated <laughs> already. So. Sure. Sure.
0: The other, the other thing that's fun is, uh, we went to the zoo on uh, Friday uh, we went to the zoo during the day to see the animals and then at night for zoo lights. Um, and there were a lot of people walking around in their Mexico jerseys. So, uh, you know, soccer may not be popular uh, throughout the U.S. It may not beat American football, but um, I'll tell you, in Los Angeles, there are plenty of folks that follow did, the Mexican though, national Matt, team.
1: <laughs> the numbers came in and the Telemundo and they, bro- broadcast of Mexico, Argentina. No. Nationally, nationally, the Spanish language numbers did bigger numbers. Than Michigan Ohio State did,
0: (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. Chris was doing some uh, some last minute Thanksgiving grocery shopping on last Tuesday morning, uh, and she was at the local Mexican supermarket. It was pretty quiet, and she like mentioned to the cashier, she was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's gonna get busy after the game's over
1: (laughs) because it is. (laughs) It's a huge deal. Yeah. So and Mexico is a good example of the respect thing, right? Like that that fueled the most heated years of us-mexico rivalry the gucci like the like rafa marquez years is because the Oof. u.s felt like there wasn't and there wasn't right like that's I, that's why i still dislike Ochoa because he was a part of that like had no respect for the u.s like for the for american players right like and understandably so right like you've been invested in this on a really deep level for decades and decades and decades right and like you know the U.S. shows up in 1994 and is like, "Look at these crazy shirts we got. We're gonna be good at this now." <laughs> I understand that, right? But now we're we're much more at a place of, you know, after we won, after the U.S. won at Azteca, right, breaking that streak. There's you can't deny, like, you're just an insane Mexican fan if you think if you don't respect, don't think the U.S. is capable of playing good so- as good as soccer as Mexico, right? Like, and so now there's much more respect, which is is probably a healthier, more fun place for the rivalry to be than it than it was. And I feel yeah. like, I feel like that's happening right now on a global scale. Uh, Cause I think that happened, you know, in the past five, five ten 10 years, that changes really happened uh, within the, the region. So
0: for sure, for sure. So the last, uh, the last thing I want to say about the world cup uh, was how, like <laughs> sometimes we talk about, uh, Disney magic in my household and whether it's real or not and whether you should just, you know, (laughs) analyze how this capitalist company is manipulating you or if it's just magic. And I gotta say, like, I feel, I feel the world cup magic. I feel it. Even though there's plenty of things uh, that we should talk about. It is also like, I'd rather see uh, the U S play around on a soccer fields than all the other, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know mm-hmm. it's like, but somehow it's happening. Like somehow all these countries that like, <laughs> we could just be at war with each other. Instead we're, we're like, we're at this massive sporting event. And there is something beautiful about that. Like, can we just do this? Can we just channel our, all the energy into this? Cause it would be a lot, there'd be a lot of less, uh, I don't know, it'd be better. <laughs> yes. I but, agree. It's, but, I, but I do feel it. Like it's, it's, it is kind of amazing that despite all of the, like legitimate conflict that we have that we can be in the same space and then be talking about things. Right. Like, so,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so the horrible things that are happening in Iran, the protests that are happening, like we won't dive deeply into that on this podcast, but like the fact that that then gets to be raised as a part of this gathering <laughs> in Qatar, is actually yeah. like, really, it's, it's really amazing. And then you talk about Qatar, like we had this whole conversation uh two weeks ago about whether like, it, is it moral to even follow the World Cup this year and it's like no but like look we're raising all these things then people are talking about there's a spotlight on it and I do think there's something really kind of amazing about that i, I, I still find it kind of bewildering that an event like this
1: exists <laughs> so it is yeah. it's kind of like um you know that what well, the the conversation folks had during that last season of Game of Thrones we're like will we ever have a have a common conversation as a society again you know uh because everybody was watching gameless phones at the same time and we all like had the thing uh but i think world cup probably better at that um and that is like gosh i hate to like give in to like the because fifa is evil right like i want to be really yeah, yeah. clear about that fifa is <laughs> evil right like in in the fullest sense of the word evil uh, and they but it doesn't mean they're always like wrong when, when they're using like the language they use to cover up a lot of their stuff. Right. Where like football can bring the world together. Um, there's truth in that, right? Like not how they're doing it. it yeah. Right. Like but there is <laughs> truth in it. Um, and for, for Americans, for U S society, um, you know, this may be uh, uh, an opportunity for folks who are not always, uh, you know, American stereotype is that you don't know anything about the re- what's happening in the rest of the world. Um, and when that pervasive like una culture conversation in, uh, pervades the U S conversation, right. It brings with it, like you said, the, the protest in Iran, um, and, uh, the situations in Qatar and all the other things that are going on in the world. Right. Like some of this has bounced back to cause reflection on, um, it's been interesting to hear media talk about things they regret about covering the 2018 uh, World Cup in Russia because they the sports washing was more effective, right? Like, because things weren't as out in the open and stuff, and they, they regret some of that. So, um yeah, we get to have conversations we wouldn't otherwise have. and it, and it, there is a bring the world together kind of element to it. I will reflect on, I was in 2015, I was in Amsterdam that summer. Uh, thanks to St. Eden's, they sent me to the conference on European, the Conference of European University and College Chaplains, something like that, uh, which was a blast outside of Amsterdam. Went the week before the conference with the Vinyl Spouse and we did vacation-y things. And I just assumed there'd be no soccer because there's not soccer in the summer. It was June and like a week before we left, I looked just out of curiosity, I looked at the US calendar and they happened to be playing the Netherlands in Amsterdam at Ajax Arena, uh, the Amsterdam Arena, which is this really there was a time in my life when I was super geeky about uh Stadia. And uh it was one of the first of like this new generation of soccer stadiums in Europe that's super cool. Anyway, we went and uh we hooked up with the American Outlaws. Uh they had a meetup the night before. Uh, which is the supporter group, right? And we got to meet all these people. And like, I see them on TV all the time because they're the people who, uh, the couple we met in particular, they work for uh, the airlines and they don't have kids and stuff. And they're they're like, maybe they're about our age, maybe a little older than us. And their deal is they just go to all the US games. Uh, and that's what they do for fun, right? Because uh, they can. Uh, yeah. And so they were there and I see them like, they're there. I've seen them at Qatar and stuff, right? I follow them on social media now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, just a blast. And then, right. Like it was super low key cause it was just a friendly and, uh, but we, they sat us in the away supporter section, which I think is much more for like IAX games and stuff, right. That it was fenced in and we had the fence around us and stuff. And, uh, most importantly, uh, Mr. Bobby Wood, who was playing in Germany at the time, scored a couple of goals for us and in stop, it was with 10 minutes to go. We were down three to one to the Netherlands. Which was a bummer, and uh, we won four three in regulation, Matt. So uh, we're on a on a hot streak against the Netherlands. So I'm excited.
0: <laughs> on a hot streak.
1: <laughs> and I got a cool poster that I'll share at some point, Matt, with you uh, of the game that Outlaws made a poster and it has the windmill and stuff. It's super cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's fan. That's fantastic. I think um...
1: I actually lost the poster and was so upset about it. I emailed everybody I could find at American Outlaws and they sent me the PDF for it that I could so I could print it on my own. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's great. That's great. Um, Well, I think I think both I mean, both things can be true, right? Like evil can exist. Corruption can exist. Um, We Mm -hmm. can talk about those things and and shine a spotlight on those things. And also uh, a gathering can be beautiful and meaningful and important. Um, And both things can be true. Uh, and hopefully yeah. as Lutherans, like that actually is a part of our theology. If like, there is no mu- moral purity here, that doesn't mean that we are off the hook, but it means that we somehow have to engage in a world where both things can be true at the same time. So, uh, on that note, uh, <laughs> another cultural event, uh, in which both things can be true at the same time, corruption woven, uh, or evil woven throughout even the good, uh, all this moral gray area. You want to talk about and or, sir?
1: And or this or that. The worst thing you can do in improv is to go not yes and but and or. <laughs> and just interrupt every idea with a new idea. I finished it, Matt. I did it, and I think it ties in. I into can't the believe you link. watched it. I did it.
0: Zach <laughs> like, it. some Star Wars, Star Wars. It must Sorry. be good. It was.
1: I have watched. I watched the Mandalorians. Both of those. I was disappointed <laughs> in the lack of any sort of Yoda, baby, elder. Uh, teenage it would have been way more fun if his adolescent Yoda was in this one and uh, (laughs) it was just real annoying like just pissed off the whole time yeah like Um, Groot it would be teenage (laughs) Groot that would have been been better Um, but you I saw Matt I saw uh, I really yesterday I watched the finale Uh, I saw mixed reviews on the internet of the finale but I saw you had a strong positive review on the finale Spoilers incoming here Matt uh, what's your what's your hot take on the finale? <laughs> I
0: have hot takes on on reviews. I, I'm getting annoyed at my uh, my two hour podcast uh, covering a TV show. Uh, I, I just uh, anyway uh yeah no my my I just I thought it was fantastic my review of the finale I mean there's a funeral scene Zach, there was a funeral scene with uh, there was a funeral music it's and good. people coming there for a processional and then apparently the tradition on this planet is for the deceased to give their own eulogy which is just yeah. stellar not always <laughs> great <laughs> and like, interesting. just wow uh, Interstellar. And this one sparks a rebellion uh just incredible incredible speeches. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, it was a, it was a good ride. Um, what, let's see, what else, what else do I have to say about it? I don't know. I, I was did just, enjoy
1: Marva. Uh, she is yeah. an actress from, uh, killing Eve where she had, She had, her, I thought she was great in killing Eve. We were disappointed when she died, uh, when Marva dies. Uh, and you're like, Oh, she just like disappears. That's a bummer. But then she comes back and gives the eulogy and stirs thing up. So that was, yeah. a, I thought that I appreciated that. She's in a, she's in the Harry Potter series. She's the she's the Dursley mom. Mm. That's where I know her from. I, I'm starting to think. I know I don't want to jump to too many conclusions as we look to season two. I'm starting to think that Deidre might not be a good guy. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. No the thing I thought was really good that sets us up for our text map is, um, I mean, this is my only complaint about the series. I think, uh, the season is the, I kind of want a little more self containment in the series to know what, like the goal, like, I think that's the, it's, like, a, this is just a minor quibble. I enjoyed it. I, you know, once we got into it, that was what we were watching every night in our tiny watch TV, watch media window. um, So, you know, it's like people quibbling about the U.S. national team coach, uh, Triple G, Greg with three G's, Greg, G-R-E-G-G. You know, yeah, you can quibble a lot, but this has been a success. We're out of the group. It doesn't matter. Like you, (laughs) none of us would complain six months ago if you said you get out of the group and you leave people saying they're playing good football, soccer. Uh, Likewise. But if you are to quibble, uh, it's the... The lack of clarity about what the season, like what the, like what the challenge, like what what the obstacle is we're trying to overcome here, right? So it's like all about Aldani, and I'm super invested in it. And then that kind of happens, and then the second half of the season doesn't. Aldani plays into it, right? But it's not like as important at the end. Then there's like another mountain that is only that tangentially connected to Aldani, so it didn't like build on itself in that way. So. And I think that makes concluding more difficult when you lacked a clear when there was some meandering along the way. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I guess my experience of it was I didn't even think I mostly invested in the individual characters and where where they're going and how all these things are seeds of this larger rebellion that is, that is coming together. So like, you know, Aldani was one set piece. Um, the prison break is another set piece. Then there's this stuff going on with Mon Mothma, which is just <laughs> incredible. Uh, just really, uh, really suspenseful. Um, so I think just seeding like where, yeah, how does a rebellion come together? And how does this person, Cash uh, and Andor become a part of it when he doesn't start out in that place. Um, And so just tracing some of that. But I think, I think, I think what interests me as a star Wars fan, like I'm basically going to enjoy anything. You you know, you put some content out there. That's great. You know, like I'm going to enjoy it. Um, But similar to the last Jedi, which was also like divisive. uh, It's like, okay, let's give this to a creator with a, with a singular vision and let them like do something interesting with it um, and play in the sandbox in a different kind of way um, and just let them, let a creator run with it. And, uh, and I would love to see more of that in star Wars. Like I'm not super bitter about it. I'm mostly like, yeah, sure. Great. It's content. I got, I got other things going on there. I don't really need to, to nitpick, but I also think like, yeah, this is the stuff I really like. This is, we've, we've never seen Mon Mothama depicted like this. Like usually she's just given a speech somewhere. And now you're like, oh wow. Like this is, this is what it takes to put together a surreptitious rebellion, (laughs) like to see some of this stuff put together. Um, It was written really tight. um, A lot of just incredible dialogue, uh, and great lines Um, to see all that in a, in a star Wars product. uh, Storytelling is not that common. (laughs) So I'm grateful for it. And the, uh, that is the kind of storytelling that I would like to see, uh, as I've said many times in this, on this podcast. Uh, if we were ever going to make some some biblical IP, if somebody could buy the rights
1: mm-hmm.
0: to the biblical IP, let's do some creative storytelling and not just the proselytizing storytelling. You know, like let's do some Andor style. God, it'd be so good, what? man. Can you imagine like with Rahab, you could do like Rahab and
1: all that stuff. Oh, it'd just be great. It'd be great. Matt, you're the, the one honest. in Hollywood. you got to make these connections for us. <laughs> That'd be incredible. We're here to consult. Ideally consult. 20- Tony
0: Gilroy, call me. We're gonna we're gonna do Josh, the book of Joshua. It's gonna be gonna be
1: great. Oh my gosh. Um, a lot of similarities there, because uh, you know, notably anytime you <laughs> do a Bible a church sort of thing, uh you get very divisive takes, mostly negative or the loudest voices. Um I would say, Matt, there was one too many prison episodes for me, like the first prison episode. You're like, okay. That was an hour of just watching them sit around in prison. Uh, But
0: I was terrified when he ended up there, partly because I was like, oh no, how long are we going to be stuck
1: in this terrifying, like, (laughs) but then the pat on the back, I thought they did an excellent job. Like really like uh, communicating how horrific that prison was and what it was to be in there. Right. Like it felt awful, you know, to be in there. And I think that's the connection. Matt, uh, I think that's the connection for where we're headed today because we've got John the Baptist who's in prison and uh, you got some kind of crazy words coming from Isaiah, which I think Isaiah is writing to the people uh, who are uh, in a uh, in a kind of prison, right? In captivity. Uh, and I think we're gonna get there. And that's gonna be exciting. How about that line though? Best, most uh, emotive part of the thing is when, uh, gosh, what was the prison leader guy's name? Oh, Kino. Kino Loy. Kino. Kino Loy gets to the top and he says he can't swim. Oh, man. Incredible stuff. Incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes he his full, this speech. like, Full transition between like, no, no, my numbers are going down. I'm going to get out the right way. He he goes through the transformation to be, lead the prison break and then can't swim. <laughs> and then you need to swim. That's important. <sighs>
0: Gives a speech, uh one of my podcasts was like this is the kind of speech that they play at football games like to get the crowd hyped. Uh I mean that that level of speech making and then he
1: kissed him. <laughs> it's
0: just brutal.
1: There were some good hype speeches. So you had that one and you had uh um playing the manifesto on his like e-reader mm-hmm. while he's yeah. uh getting ready for stuff there was a good hype mm-hmm. uh, hype scene as well. Yeah. Yep. One way uh that's my quibble. At, they grabbed the guns and stuff, right? Just in case, mm-hmm. I would have put those boots on because they walked past a lot of racks of the boots that would protect you. Why not yeah. put on the boots? You know, I, you got to swim. I guess I don't know. Kick them off. It's tough. <laughs> you got to get to the swimming pool first. It's like the World Cup. Good point. Take care of the group stage, and then you worry about the knockout. Good point. Well, you made a transition to the texts. I guess we are speaking talk about of prison. Them. It's Godet Sunday. Joy, Sunday. bring out your pink that you can wear twice mm-hmm. a year. Our guy Erwin breaking it out for sure this week.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: Isaiah thirty-five
0: is our Old Testament text, uh, and it's like it's got some classic advent imagery. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice in blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees say to those who have a fearful heart be strong do not fear here is your god he will come with vengeance with terrible recompense he will come and save you then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy for waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert the burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water the haunt of jackals shall become a swamp The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away.
1: Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. There is a... So there's a lot to like here, right? Tons of imagery, some familiar stuff. Uh, the wilderness becoming glad, the desert rejoicing and blooming, like the the crocus, which maybe... I don't know what a crocus is, but uh, I mean, I understand it's a flower. I'm not sure what it looks like. Um, feel free to substitute a more familiar flower there. Uh Rejoicing and singing. Weak hands are made strong and the eyes of the blind are open and the ears are unstopped. Um, also, uh, God will come with a vengeance and terrible recompense is uh, stuck in there. And that's like a, a note that perhaps uh, to the listeners in your peers is going to be a little out of uh, tune there. But I think having that context of knowing that the people are in Captivity when this happens, that they are imprisoned, um, that they are uh, people in the uh, prison off of uh, a Five. <laughs> Look that up to get the numbers right. Um, <laughs> that that you need somebody to come and break them out, right? And that the that the the, the obstacles, the forces that they are facing, are real and terrifying, um, and that they are dangerous, uh, and they're not just metaphors. They are things that that in order for you to be freed, must be overpowered and, and, and destroyed. Yeah, for sure. I think that
0: is definitely why that's in here. I mean, be strong to not fear. If you're not going to fear, you're going to need a strong God to come and come with vengeance.
1: The chains <laughs> are going to be broken, not unlocked.
0: Right, right, right. Um. yeah.
1: Not a lot, not a lot else to say. Just,
0: I think great imagery, um, I, I, you know, for God, I'd Sunday to have all this uh, positive, joyful, blooming imagery, uh, wonderful stuff. Maybe this is the time to decorate your church uh, like Easter for one Sunday. <laughs> go to the flower shop, fill it
1: up. I will give $10 to any uh, vinyl preacher listener whose church, <laughs> they, they go all the way in on the bit and uh, dress up the church for Easter. Do it. <laughs> well, Matt, uh just like on Easter Sunday, uh we're going to hear it from John and wait, no. Uh the gospel this week is perfectly linear and I'm pretty sure that you're okay with it. Uh we're going almost just uh just about 2 weeks from Christmas and we're going to go ahead and read from the middle of Matthew when John heard in prison uh cuz there's a whole Uh, you know, uh, situation there that ends with him in prison. It's not going to end well. Spoilers for John. Uh, It turns out he can't swim either. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see the blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the poor have good news brought to them and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. There's your Andor scene. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, am more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. And truly I tell you, among those born of women no one has gained greater has arisen greater than John the Baptist. And yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The good news of Jesus. Praise to you, O Christ. It's a good one. I know you don't like the the chronology of the readings here. Um, uh, But it is this really good already and not yetness of it that John is imprisoned. mm -hmm. uh, And yet, the blind are receiving sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the work is happening, the flowers are blooming in the desert. Um, And so as uh, Matt, you seek to pull us into that and or uh, space, I think this reading uh, pushes us on down the road there.
0: Hey Amen. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. After, after our discussion uh last week, Zach, about how we have moved on from our need for Advent to be distinct from yeah. Christmas. Just let all the Christmas in. Just open the door. Let it all in. Well, then I was at a worship planning meeting last night, and somebody said, "What are we going to sing Christmas songs? And I... Add it up to here, Zach. I'm back in. Advent. Only <laughs> I almost I almost respond. I, well, I actually did say. Uh well December twenty-fifth uh is when we can start and then um you know I try to be more nuanced. Uh but but I'm back in, Zach. Advent. Uh I love this line uh from Jesus. What did you go out in the wilderness to look at? What do you what do you think this is about? What do you think this season is about anyway? You know, like What do you if think you this want...
1: revolution is about? If you, You're right,
0: that whole second half Christmas, of the season
1: where they're like, this is a revolution, you know, like guess
0: Yeah, if you want I Christmas you, in November, it's gonna be like. you you can go up to the Grove, uh, to Rick Caruso's, uh, Fantasyland up there, and you can enjoy your Christmas. But here, here, Zach, we're doing, we're doing Advent.
1: That's Lutheran is your uh, John the Baptist here, right? I'm not going to see the sunrise. That <laughs> That's I'm true. It is towards. a very,
0: it is a very Lutheran habit.
1: Uh, How about no, the, uh, the difficulty yeah. of the world there? How difficult it is for a preacher to, uh, to let go of the Adventian uh, reflex, <laughs> to say one thing and do another. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I do think it's. Uh, I mean, with. Um, with gratitude to my to my music team, uh, who in challenging me forced me to clarify what my thinking actually is and what our approach actually is and what we are actually doing uh in this season. Uh not totally inconsistent. I do think you could let a little bit of Christmas light in. But there is there is this element of uh, you know, th- this sense of Jesus saying, like, what did you go out in the wilderness to look at? Like there is an expectation Um, and an expectation being upended that I think we, we do need to somehow attend to in the advent, whether you use this text or another one, there's something unexpected that's going to happen at Christmas. And so if this text can help you, um, begin to prepare your listeners for that somehow, it's like. I mean, it's it's like to to bring us back to Andor <laughs> to do these kind of prequel stories where you know where it's going, you know the Death mm-hmm. Star is going to get blown up, uh, and this guy's going to help do it, so you know where this this story is going. Just like we know is that we're going to get to just like you know we're going to get really to the Christmas know. story. <laughs> like,
1: oh, just so like you reason. know really we're going <laughs> to
0: get, just like you know we're going to get to the Christmas story. How do you put any kind of tension into this? Um, but I, I think I think that's it. I think there's some way to like. How do you create tension to go all the way back to the World Cup? How do you create meaning? Even in these moments where we think we know where this story is going, how do we make it surprising again? And I think that a text like this, where Jesus asks these kind of questions, helps to make it surprising again, and gives us some tools to use to make it surprising
1: again. He was in Rogue One. (laughs) I know! That's the... (laughs) <laughs> I, didn't, I really didn't know this rogue one is the same
0: same creators as andor it's have you seen it and i it's spent good.
1: the whole series being like what's the time frame for this i don't know i don't know what this is after i got I burned I was- on the rings of uh eldon or whatever it was uh i'm not not, not 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 trying not to walk into any spoilers <laughs> oh wow wow i learned so much on this podcast
0: yeah, yeah, that's what that's what that's what folks come here for. Yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, I mean they've all got John the Baptist energy, I guess. You know, Cassian is imprisoned, so mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a good John the Baptist story. I like it. Well what are we listening to? <laughs> I, uh, you know, a thing to be wary of here as, uh, my, I have a disclaimer at the beginning of my playlist, Matt, cause I went with prison songs. Cause there are a lot of good songs about prison mm-hmm. jail because that is, uh, fertile soil. Uh, but you know, obviously if you're preaching about prison stuff, um, uh, I mean, that's the thing that, that Andor does really well in like, you know, you felt the injustice of, of Cassian, um, uh, Keef, whose <laughs> name i really enjoyed, his, uh, his alias. When Keef uh, is sentenced to, I mean, essentially death, it turns out, right? Uh, without a trial of any consequence. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it does that perfect sci-fi thing of revealing the ridiculousness of the prison industrial complex, right? Um, so feel free to look that up this week. Uh, but there are some good prison songs. that I'm going with a Warren Zabon song called Prison Grove that uh some folks like the boss bruce springsteen does backing vocals on it uh and it is a song recorded just before warren's uh death from mesothelioma um and so uh it's kind of from this perspective of someone with uh, a death sentence that will not be commuted um so not a joyful song uh but a song uh that takes you Into the prison, for sure. Uh, Then I'm going to go One Love by Nas off of The Illmatic, uh, which is a letter to a friend in prison uh, that is a good one. It was a hit off of that album. And finally, a new song for me off of Rocky Mountain High that came out in 1972. Uh, Your friend and mine, friend of the podcast, John Denver has a song called Prisoners. Uh, It's about uh, being a POW. Pretty good. Pretty good. Very Rocky Mountain High kind of vibe. Nice.
0: Nice. I'll steal your prison idea uh, and put on "Folsom Prison Blues" by Johnny Cash. Uh, stone Cold classic. Uh, the lines from Isaiah about the blooming in the desert make me think of U2's "Beautiful mm. Day," which starts out "The heart is a bloom." Uh, I have I have I broken down Bonnell uh, solo solo tour yet. I don't, I don't know if I have. We got. to so think so. To cover. Uh, and then uh, since we got this more preparing imagery. Get ready by the Temptations. That's what I got.
1: That's a good one, Matt. I like that Temptation summer. Well, it's been real. It's been real. Uh, Andorian...